Hello, I'm Thomas Davis. I'm the minister in Carnaby Free Church on the Isle of Lewis in the northwest of Scotland. And I'm Anne MacDonald, the student and young adult worker at Bonacord Free Church in Aberdeen. And I'm Andy Longway, minister of London City Presbyterian Church in the heart of London. And welcome to the Jesus Today podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We are so appreciative to you all. Uh, we've had so many messages of support and encouragement since season three began, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, thank you for keeping in touch. Um, a reminder that you can email us um, at hello at jesustodaypodcast.com, and you can connect with us uh, on X and social media. Uh, you can look for Jesus Today Pod, and we would love to hear from you, and we're so thankful for all the support uh, that you've shown towards us. Well, today we are joined with a special guest, a fellow Lan. Graham, you're from Lanarkshire, is that right? Originally, yeah. Originally from Lanarkshire, from Airdrie. Uh, Graham Shanks is joining us today. Graham, welcome to the Jesus Today podcast. Great, so good to be with you guys. Graham, tell us a bit about yourself. You are a pastor in Edinburgh, the Far East, uh, for those in Lanarkshire. Uh, yeah, tell us about yourself, your family, your church. Yeah, it's great. Well, great to be with you guys. My name's Graham. I grew up just outside Glasgow. So my mum and dad live in this little village called Strathblane, which is halfway between Loch Lomond and Glasgow city centre. So that's where I grew up. Uh, I studied in Aberdeen, went up Yay. to the north. Yeah, there you go. A little shout out. <laughs> uh, was there for five years and I studied law when I was there. Uh, I then moved to Edinburgh after graduating. I was there for a couple of years uh, working and I lived in Bristol for just short of a couple of years as well and worked there as a lawyer. And then my wife and I, we moved back to Edinburgh in 2012 uh, to start working at, at Brunsfield, uh, my good friend John Gemmel. Um, and we've kind of been there ever since, really. Um, they asked me to stay as the assistant when I finished. Uh, there was a Cornhill course that I did and uh, I've been pastor since 2017. Um, so I've been there for, uh, we're coming up 12 years in the summer. And it's been a roller coaster. It's been great. It's a wonderful church family. Um, so they asked me to stay on. I hope that means that I'm kind of doing okay, <laughs> or, or it means they couldn't find it, or it means they couldn't find anyone else. And I've not had the courage to ever ask. So. so I'm married to Alex. We've got three little girls: Chloe, Grace, and Eve, and one on the way as well in July. Oh, congratulations! And. So the, the church in Brunsfield, what, what's what's it like? Yeah, so it's a wonderful church family. So currently, we've got something like 120 members and then maybe another 80 or so attenders. So the 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 whole shooting match really is there at Brunsfield. It's a beautiful, as we'll come on to see, beautiful picture of the gospel. So we've got everything from, I think we've got a one-week-year-old all the way up to people in their 90s, uh, everything in between. We've got students. Uh, people at school, young families, uh, young workers, people who've, who've just retired. So it's it's a wonderful picture of the gospel. So we're just south of the city centre here in Edinburgh, not far from the university, uh, not just Edinburgh, also Napier um, is is quite close to us as well. So, so yeah, that's where we are. We would just be a, an independent church, kind of FIEC would be our natural yeah. home. Um, churches uh, kind of come out of the brethren heritage if that that means things to people so wonderful heritage to be part of uh, but the church today is just a, a um, yeah a modern independent church Fantastic. and are you the only staff member are you the senior minister yeah so i don't know about senior but <laughs> certainly the the uh, so we have a a really great staff team so i love working with with my colleagues we've got kata um kata's our women's ministry leader um, she is uh, three days a week. We've got Peter, who's our youth pastor, who's three days a week. Uh, we've got Jill, who's our church manager, who's three days a week. There's a wee theme here. And Archie is our pastor in training, um, who's currently with us three day, days a week. And the vision behind his role in particular is that he's he came to us a couple of years ago. And the aim is that as a church, we invest in him uh, so that after four years, he's he's ready to go um to yeah into the into the world and be a pastor so we're trying to play our role as a church in training the next generation um and so we've struck struck up a good church partnership with a church in peebles peebles evangelical church and, and archie's been getting involved with the work there 
Um, so that's our staff team, uh, team of elders. We've got ministry team leaders as well. So that that's the kind of makeup of our church. Wonderful, brilliant, brilliant. It's so good uh, to hear about that, Graven. We're so delighted to have you um, on our episode today. So um, today we are going to focus um, on talking about the different generations that we're we're reaching with the church and how sometimes that can you know create challenges in terms of being on each other's wavelength. On the question of being each other's wavelength, um, we are starting with our favourite game, which is, uh, well, it's now called She's Right, I'm Wrong, He's Crazy. Um, and we have to talk about something that we disagree on. Um, and today we are, we're talking about that, that really, really important life decision, which is your favourite go-to bedtime snack. So it's late at night, you're just going to head off to bed, but you're hungry. What do you go for? So um, I'm going to kick us all off. Um, because mine is is just the most obvious choice. The best nighttime snack is breakfast cereal. What? That's my go-to. In fact, every single night I have a bowl of cereal. Um, and not only that, I have a bowl of multiple different cereals. So I like to mix my cereals, <laughs> a layer of alpine, a layer of fruit and fiber, sometimes a Weetabix in the middle, and then uh, on top, um, something sweet, Cocoa Pops or crunchy nut cornflakes so my son calls it cereal lasagna because you got layers of cereal so that is the ultimate <laughs> ultimate go-to like a whole recipe snack. there <laughs> it sounds like rabbit food i think you've got it all back to front yeah i, I was just agreeing with that you've got it all back to front <laughs> yeah all back well i remember i once i once watched mr bean <laughs> mr bean i was i once saw mr bean and he said well, i've got a top i've got a top tip for you he said have breakfast the night before because it gets it out of the way. And uh, I thought that's great advice, but I still have breakfast the following morning as well. But Mr. Bean, like that's, it's that's very worrying if you're taking life. advice from Mr. Bean. <laughs> Andy, what are you? Well, um, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure every night, not every night, but most nights where there, there are crisps in the home, I am going to um, open a bag of sensations. They're just, it's just my favorite way to chill out, you know, after finishing the study or hanging out with Marina, watching TV, I'll open a bag of sensations and enjoy them. Hmm. I think that's a strong choice, actually. Good, good, good. What about you, Anne? Um, well, I really like Marmite on toast. I know that is not going to be divisive. Yeah, I know that is a divisive one. <laughs> it's a lots of butter. And then a thin Marmite scraping of Marmite, sauce. and it's amazing. It's really that umami flavor. Very I feel good. Set. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you, you either love it or hate it, I guess. So, uh, and the thought, the thought that you might use the same knife oh, in the yeah. butter that you've had in the family. Oh. Uh, I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> Well, that is, I have that some is, standards. You're, you're putting your, your neck out with the listeners here, Anne, because that is, that is a controversial choice. But, you know, you may have a strong following. Yeah. Um, so, Graham, yeah. we, need to, we need to hear your favourite or you need to be the judge between all of us. Yeah, so I'm a big snacker. It is one of my, my downfalls, uh, big snacker. My go-to, though, would be, it's not that controversial, sweet and salted popcorn. Mm. For me, oh, is, an yeah. ups, is a winner. That's a good um, one. It is... One of these things that you could easily go through a whole bag. I, I, it's certainly like Aldi's flavor. I, I don't know why that is, but they have a special one. And you can finish off a bag pretty quickly. Uh, big fan of cereal, though. My question would be what cereal, but if you've put many in there, then... What, what cereal would you have, Graham? What cereal would I have? I would have... Um, I would have Cheerios. Ooh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> Do you like Cheerios? My wife loves Cheerios. Not sure about the popcorn. That's like sweet and salted. That's like syncretism, I think. I think that's what we call that. I'm not sure we agree with that theologically. So. That's it. How long will you waver between two opinions? <laughs> well, exactly. Look at that. It's just, it's, honestly, it's like, it's just, it's black and white. You have to choose, you know, we're the salt of the earth. There's a little hint in there in terms of which popcorn flavor is better. So... Oh, brilliant! Okay, well, listeners, you need to come back and tell us. You've got, you've got some, you've got some varied choices there. Are you going for sensations? Uh, are you going uh, for cereal? Are you going for sweet and salted popcorn? Or are you crazy and going for marmite? <laughs> so let I us feel know like you're to... you're influencing the vote there, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Love 
Okay, today we are going to think um, all about the fact that um, as we're working, as we're following Jesus today, as we're seeking to serve in our local churches, um, we're trying to reach um, all age groups, all generations. And I think maybe today it feels like more than ever, um, there's just big differences and big challenges among all the different um age categories that we have and so we'll hear people talk about baby boomers and millennials and gen z and um, i actually um I remember telling my kids that i was a millennial and they were like there's no way you're a millennial um, <laughs> uh, but actually i just qualify which is amazing so i'm like a geriatric millennial because i think i'm, I'm in the age bracket <laughs> that fits in there so um but we 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 know that this is an area you've thought a lot about graham and uh, we'd love to just hear some thoughts and uh, we'd love to just chat about it together. So maybe start by just telling us, you know, what's, what's your interest in this area? What's some of the things you've thought about in relation to this, this kind of question? Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Um, so I'm just, well, I'm almost 39. So I creep in there as well to the millennial category. Uh, but it does mean you kind of get a vantage point in two directions. Um, you, you're particularly in church, you're looking at a younger generation and you're also interacting with an older generation. So you, you, you maybe kind of stand in the middle and have that vantage point. But as a local pastor, uh, I, I love this topic. Uh, and I think it's one that we, we do really well to press ourselves into just now as a, as a church. Um, so as I look out from the front every Sunday morning when we gather, and my congregation know this, so I'm not betraying any confidences here. There's always two things that I think. Number one is what a weird group of people. <laughs> and there's 120 people who gather in front of you, eyes looking at you, all ages and stages, male and female, all different classes. You've got different nationalities. You get different accents. You've got people with all sorts of different interests and hobbies. You've got people there who've rocked up in hoodies. You've got people who've gone going uh, the full-blown suit. And you think to yourself, this is the weirdest group of people I can, I, I can picture. If we were just hanging out on interests and hobbies in the world, I think I would maybe hang out with five of you, as it is. So I think, first of all, this is the weirdest group of people in the world. But second of all, second thought is only God could do this. Only God could do this. Only the gospel could bring such a diverse group of people together. And so I kind of, I haven't done this yet, but I keep meaning to do it if, if I get brave enough. Uh, I would love to put a, a banner over the front door of our church. And it would simply say, welcome to the greatest show. You know, just, just to nick that that title from the from the film. Welcome to the greatest show. To remind people of the beauty of what they're stepping into. Uh, the greatest show, not because of what we do. I mean, we are we are uh, we are very gifted in terms of the people that we have. But when you compare it to the world, it really is 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 uh, when it comes to entertainment, it is that that's not the game we're in. So it's not to do with what we do; it's to do with who we are. This is the manifold wisdom of God. As we look at this people that He has brought together under the banner of His Son that we are one in Jesus Christ and we are family because we share the one father. And I look out and I see uh, people laughing, people hugging, people singing, people crying, people praying, people encouraging one another, people singing their hearts out. And there's part of me that that is the most glorious time of the week. Like I tweet every single week, and it was a bit of a cliche to start with, but I really mean it. Sunday is the best day of the week. It is glorious because you get to see the manifold wisdom of God. One of the joys of doing this job is that you get a front row seat to see it. And so maybe the reason that, that I've become passionate about it is because is Brunswick is, is, like I said at the start, got the whole shebang, the whole ages and stages, generations. And I just want us as a church family to see it, to savour it and to go with it. So that that's maybe why I, I kind of have a, a real passion and interest in this one, I think. Yeah, that that's really interesting. Yeah. Um. So, Graham, what do you think is playing out in our culture right now when it comes to all of the different generations? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant thing to, to think about. So it's interesting, isn't it? So... 
um, we went through Titus as a church at the beginning of the year. So every year we, we try and at the top of the year, just preach a little series, short, sharp, that just reminds us who we are, why we do what we do and where we're going. So we just picked Titus this year. But one of the aims was maybe to help us think through what it is to be a, an intergenerational church. Um, and the we can dip into the aspects of Titus 2 in a minute because I think it, it is lots to teach us in this regard. But the big theme that comes out is this culture of honour that exists in the church. Now, on Crete, where Titus is, that would have been revolutionary, a culture of honour between the different generations. Barriers that the world had put up before, people that would never really speak to each other. And yet in this church in Crete, it is a little outpost of the kingdom of God, isn't it? So how do we foster that culture in our church that says we see you, we hear you, we love you, we need you? That That's kind of what we thought about. Because perhaps what you see, and I see it um, a little bit in our culture, but from what I've read around it, it is probably true. What maybe is playing out in our culture just now is not a culture of, of honour, it's a culture of, of dishonour. Um, I've been quite influenced. There was a book by American psychologist Jean Twenge. Um, she wrote a book called Generations. She is just a, a complete statal when it comes to this. It is a treasure trove of stats and differences between the generations. Fantastic read. But two of the things that she points out amongst many in that is just, just the appreciation of what's going on in our culture over, over the last number of years. That the generation divide has never been greater between the different generations in our world. But to appreciate the role that technology has played in that, which has meant that the speed of change between the generations has never been quicker. Um, and that trend is only going to go one way. So a little example of it when you think about it. Um, I still remember when we got our first ever family computer. I still remember playing Microsoft Encarta, thinking that we'd made it as a family. Um, I still remember dial-up internet, the first time ever hearing that that noise when when your your mum or dad tried to dial up into the internet. And now I sit, we sat there at our last date night with my wife, and we realised we spent more time picking what we were going to watch than we did actually watching what we watched, what we picked. And it's just amazing, is it, even in our lifetime, how much technology has sped up change in our culture and so whether you um silence boomers gen x millennials uh, gen z what she says in that book is basically the choice that we have plus the speed of change means that we are more individualistic than we've ever been uh, but what that what that's led to is you have an older generation who are now suspicious of a younger generation. So if you've heard phrases, you know, like you're, you're, you're too entitled or you complain about everything, uh, don't even get me started on cancel culture. But you've also got a younger generation who are critical of an older generation. So things like you guys are clogging the housing market. Um, you, you don't talk about your feelings. You're, you're too quick to accept the, the status quo. So perhaps what we have playing out in our world just now in our culture is generations who are speaking over each other and not really trying to enter each other's worlds. And so it's just interesting as you watch it play out uh, in our world just now, we have, and we'll come back to this, won't we, a, a wonderful evangelistic opportunity to be a countercultural community in our world right now that says, not we'll just tolerate you, but says we see you, we hear you, we love you, and we need you in our church family. So perhaps that's just some of the things that are maybe playing out in our world just now. That's so interesting, um, Graham, and, and I'd love to to just maybe ask you a wee bit, Anne, because your 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 whole job is working with a generation that's that's below you, you know, and mm -hmm. and yeah, does 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 some of what Graham says does that do you see that kind of just playing out in your own context as well? Yeah, I, I do. But, but I think what really resonated with what you were saying, Graham, is um, just the difference in church. Um, because in in the church, there it is a place where the young people really love getting to know the older people and the older people really love to get to know the younger people. So even though um, the students in their kind of 
secular social circles wouldn't have any opportunities to have any real interaction with someone of a different generation outside of their own families. And even those can be a bit disjointed. Um, in church, they do get to to have that and they love it. They absolutely love it. So um, yeah, I thought what you were saying about only God can do this, bring this diverse group together really does. Uh, you can see that. Um, and and it, although I do see that that takes a bit of work because in our church setting, we, we, we're very blessed to have a, a big number of students, which is great, but it can feel quite intimidating to the older generations and they just see this big group and they think, oh, they won't want to talk to us. And then the students see the older people and they think, oh, they won't want to talk to us. And yet when you talk to the two groups, they're they're really keen to get to know the others. And once they do build those relationships, the blessing they get from that is amazing. They really value those relationships, the intergenerational relationships. It's, it's so interesting, like how <clears throat> you know you, you you mentioned how they can sometimes talk past each other, sometimes misunderstand each other. Just a, a really interesting example of that came up um, with me recently when I was speaking to one person who was around my age, and then I was speaking to somebody who was in their, a teenager. And they were talking about messages. So you know the way on, on WhatsApp you send a message and if, mm. if the message has been delivered, you get two gray ticks. And if the mm. message has been read, uh, it turns blue. And you can also see when the person was last online. And the older person was like, this person's been online and they've not read my message. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe mm. that they went online, didn't read my message. They don't. And then, but the teenager was like, or like the the worst thing you can do is read a message and not reply straight away. Mm-hmm. So what it meant was like for the older person, mm-hmm. the gray tick was like, why are they not reading it? Whereas for the younger person, they were like, oh, to leave it gray is nice. If I made it blue, um, mm-hmm. it would be offensive. And and you saw that they were just, it, I mean, it's a, yeah. sort of a silly little thing, but but you could see that just an easy misunderstandings, you know, and, and technology gives rise to them. Just interesting how that can how that can happen and. Um, yeah, what what are some of the other challenges that that brings, Graham? So, from a church perspective, yeah, from a church um, perspective, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, it's really helpful uh, hearing what you you guys are, are contributing to the conversation. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful evangelistic opportunity that we have. How can we be that city on a hill? How can we be that genuine church family? for people how can we be salty in our culture and as i say how can we not just model what's going on in the world but how can we genuinely foster that culture of honor um it's maybe just too easy i think sometimes for like osmosis we just uh we just breathe in the air of our culture uh, and and almost bring that to church without really thinking about it um so we're thinking of ways how we can get the generations uh mixing a bit more we'll come back to that but but maybe one thing we've noticed just there are differences between the generations and if we just go with titus's older younger thing that we see there um you you do see an older generation who for whom um they attended everything and you saw attendance was a, a big thing for an older generation um was probably in bold font uh whereas relationships was maybe just in in normal font if you like Whereas a younger generation are probably the opposite. They probably don't attend as much, um, but they're really high emphasis on relationships. So what, what can easy happen if we're not careful, I think, is you you have kind of what's going on in the world mirrored in the church, but just with Christian clothing on it. So an older generation saying to a younger one, you know, you're not as committed as we once were. Um, you don't serve as much as we once did. Again, a younger generation thinking of an older generation that you don't talk as much about your feelings as we maybe do so what we find on a, on a Sunday is that um well over the years uh maybe a, an older generation came to everything but would stay for a cup of coffee and then go um a younger generation they might not go to both services on a Sunday they'll probably pick one but they'll stay for about an hour and a half after the service is finished, just chatting about life and and sharing a a laugh and encouraging one another. Um, And it's just interesting that the the different generations are putting emphasis in in different places. Um, And of course, we just want to be a community that learns from each other Mm -hmm. as well, understands each other's worlds. Um, 
So as I say, how can we foster that culture of of honour, uh, of trying to step into each other's worlds um, when we think about this in church? Yeah, that, that's really, really good. And I'm just thinking, you know, how do you, how would you do that? What, what's the challenge then for the young generation to foster that culture of honour? Um, when, you know, in some ways they are the ones who are more technologically savvy they think that you know they sometimes look at the the older generation as the dinosaurs or even when it comes to church things they 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 say well you guys don't have the same relational intimacy or vulnerability that we do so so why do we need to honor you in those ways how would in in the context of local church how would you go about helping the younger generation to honor the older ones yeah it's really good um so i i guess it's it's what we see in paul tell timothy isn't it, in terms of how he views uh, older women, uh, younger women, treat them as sisters, treat, honour them as fathers. There's a bit of preaching into this, I think, which is why we went to Titus. But it's also just maybe encouraging us to step into each other's worlds more. So I remember when we preached this, there was two challenges, again, just going with the generations thing. Um, as you think about the generation, uh, other the, the other one to you, are you aware of the things that have influenced them over the lives that have influenced their lives over the years? Are you aware of their biggest fears and struggles in the, gen- the, the, the age that they're in? Some of the opportunities that are ahead of them, how can you serve them best? Um, Cause the goal, I guess, is we did Titus, the big idea of, of the truth leading to godliness. The big challenge was how can we help each other? And be the biggest cheerleaders of the older uh, of a, the different generation in godliness, so that that we can help each other figure out what faithfulness to Jesus looks like in our um, specific cultural moment. So the challenge came to an older generation. Um, do, do you understand that a younger generation are facing things that you never had to even think about, let alone wrestle with in your in your lifetime? So. The mental health struggles, which are are real for a younger generation, and um, mounting student debt, which is a huge thing when I speak to students about the they're worried about the debt that they're going to come out with at university and, and how on earth they're going to pay that back. Um, that they they'll probably never own their own they'll never own their own home or certainly not for a long time. Uh, and that's not just an entitlement thing. I also think that for a, a younger generation, it's that sense of permanence. So when you when an older generation, you guys have owned your own homes for a long, long time. These guys won't for a long time. And at that, so you're only one month away when you're renting of being evicted, aren't you, or, or being asked to move on. So there's worries that comes with that lack of permanence in their life. So older generation, have you are you willing to communicate to a younger generation that you are their biggest fans, that you want them to flourish? And are you praying for them that they will accomplish so much more fruit and see so much more fruit than we ever did in our generation are we their biggest cheerleaders because they, they are the church leaders of tomorrow but equally a younger generation it was the, the exact same challenge um are, are you sitting in the pew thinking you've got nothing to learn from an older generation and i look around our congregation there's people that have been married marriages there that, that people have been married for longer than i've been alive um, there's there's people who know what it is to lose a spouse, to lose a really close friend, um, who who know what it is to to face redundancy, and unemployment, who know how, what it's like to be a parent and that you're just out of strength, you don't know what to do. People who know what it is to run a business and do that with integrity, and. See if somebody in your professional life walked in to your field with that level of experience, you would be mining their brains for information and experience and wisdom. And how often we just take the local church for granted when actually uh, we should be tapping into each other's world saying, would you, would you teach me? Um, w- would you help me see more of your life? Because I, I, uh, the stage of life that I'm at, uh, I just realise, and I think I didn't when I was this stage, realise both my lack of experience and my lack of wisdom. 
So there's a challenge there, isn't there? Just how can we help each other enter each other's worlds as we do that? That's such a helpful thing to think through, Graham. And um, I think you used, to, you used a phrase there that <clears throat> is, I think, so crucial. It's so easy to be afraid of um, the, the another generation. You, you spoke about fears and how fears can, can shape things. And when, you know, when our fears direct our, our reactions, we can so easily see others, people who are different from us, as a threat. And so when you say that you know the generation difference is bigger than ever, that means the potential to see a different generation as a threat is is bigger than ever. And it's I think that's something that is is uh, so important to recognise, so important to fight against. Um, and what you said there was beautiful. You're thinking about the the best of the generation, both both ahead of you or behind you. And I think of my own experience how actually going through the generations myself. So I'm just a, I'm a couple of years older than you. I'm the wrong side of 40. And, um, you know, going through stages of life myself really made me think about what the generation ahead of me went through. I remember when we had children, you know, that you have, we had our children. I've got three amazing children. But the first few weeks of having a baby are not the easiest weeks of your life. And I remember thinking, oh, man, this is quite hard. You know, uh, I'm exhausted. Um, I'm not sure I can do this. And then I kind of started thinking to myself, my goodness, my parents did this for me <laughs> and a whole lot more. And then I thought, my goodness, I think I need to say thank you to them. <laughs> and just that recognition that actually the generation above us comes back to what you're saying about honor and to cultivate that, that, that idea of honoring in both directions. I don't think I've ever thought of that as clearly as you've articulated it, Graham. And I think it's such a helpful thing to think through. Yeah, it's great. And there's wonderful opportunities, wonderful opportunities that we have. So I was reading just before coming on there, uh, Psalm 145, where Free Church Podcast, we'll, we'll go with the Psalms, right? So <laughs> I know the game. Um, Psalm 145, the, it's a beautiful Psalm, isn't it? So may one generation commend your works to the next. Yeah. And it's interesting when you read that, this is not may one generation commend their generation to the next. This is would one generation commend the gospel to the next. Um, so why we need our church full of older men and women who through the rings on their lives, the tree of their lives, I need them to sh- live a life in front of me and the others that shows me that following Jesus is still worth it when you're 80, right? That this is not a young man's sport that Jesus is still worth going with the next 40 years of my life. So I, I recognize that, that physically um, it might be more difficult to get to things, but spiritually, can, can you live a life in front of us that, that says to us um, that you are being renewed inwardly day by day, that you're becoming more like Christ in the way that, that you are, and that you're not crawling to the finish line, but you are you're sprinting to breast that tape. That that I need people like that in my life. I, I need those brothers and sisters um, to be doing that. And, and to a younger generation, I need to see that you um, you value and you care for an older generation of Jesus's people. Um, wonderful opportunities. We also, we thought in Titus as well when we got there about the particular opportunities that are there for our generations. So at the end of Titus, he, he calls the, the church to be ready for every good work and to recognise the cases of urgent need. And we thought about how um, that's going to change from generation to generation, but particularly the external needs, that the needs, the gospel need in our country has never been greater. So how can we encourage each other um, to, to see and seize the opportunities that we have? So we thought about a younger generation um, particularly got really specific and thought about flexible working. So I think flexible working is it will prove to be one of the, the greatest evangelistic opportunities that our generation has. I, I just think of my dad. My dad was a dentist all his life uh, in, the, in the one place in the east end of Glasgow. And th- there was no way that we could ever move as a family from where we were. But now you look at a generation and some of them... And our, our folks, they, they work in Edinburgh, but they don't need to be in Edinburgh. You know, and we thought that that the gospel opportunities that are there, could you go, for example, down to Peebles 
and work, do your job from Edinburgh, from Peebles, and get involved with the, the gospel work there. Um, could you, you know, we've got a lot of doctors and, and people who, who can work, earn enough money to work three days or four days. Could you give up a day a week to, to go and, and do something uh, in the church? Older generation as well, we, we thought that, um, you know, you, you guys, so many of you have been so blessed. Uh, you, you are probably cash light, but, but you are, if you think about it, you, you are asset rich. And the stories I've heard over the years of, of older saints leaving training legacies or, or building legacies for the next generation, even just one or one or two percent of their their estate. But they've they've been gripped by the gospel vision um, to think about it at one point in time when I, when I'm going to glory to be with the Lord anyway. Uh, what's going to happen to my to my stuff that I leave? And, and could you think about leaving some of it to the to the next generation and gospel work? But there's as again, it's just how can we help each other figure out what faithfulness to Jesus looks like in our different life stages? Uh, and when you begin to see it like that, it, it, it's a wonderful thing. What a blessing the local church is if you if when you stop and you think about it, it it really is the the greatest show in town, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Andy, I'd love to ask you, I know that you in both, you know, your journey as a, as a pastor, the different cities you've been in, you, you've, you've been in congregations that have really straddled generations as well. And um, you've been a, a young pastor in many ways. But I know that there's been some older people who've been just really, really important in, in, in supporting you. Maybe you could tell us a bit about that, Andy. Yeah. Um just as amen amen graham just the manifold wisdom of god is fully on display and yeah you've you've, you've got my mind just buzzing because of mm-hmm. the opportunities that were afforded you know generationally yeah so i remember you know in partial ministry in cumbernauld um the congregation there you know most people were retired i think there was like un- less than 10 wage earners in the congregation everyone else was living you know on their pension and my, my leadership that is made up of a majority of people who were retired and, and, and well into their retirement. And and I actually remember young minister, 25 years old, and in some ways I had nothing to teach this older generation because they'd, they'd gone through five ministries, heard every sermon series and books, but their disposition to me was one of the most encouraging things where they were there like, you know, we called you, we prayed, we want to be taught, we want to grow. I think I had to learn the humility that I had to learn from them. I was fresh, you know, hot out of seminary. Thought I, every sermon series was going to do it, was going to, you know, give them the world view and equip them to to go and reach the saints. Whereas they'd raised a family, loved a community, been faithful in their marriages, um, faithful in their workplaces, making the most of their retirement. And I, I think just that that learning to honour a generation is something that I had to learn. Um, and something that I'm still learning all the time. And probably now, in my second ministry, Graham, when you were chatting there about the challenges that face the younger generation, I think I can so easily imbibe, you know what we're saying, like a snowflake generation, or, you know, they don't take responsibility. Mm-hmm. But actually a part of being a minister is actually to enter into their stage, their shoes, and love them and honour them for the challenges they face. So... I've not done it well. I'm a slow learner, um, but gospel ministry definitely gives you the opportunity to to learn and be exposed to just that that just the multifaceted, beautiful nature of the church of the different ages and stages of life. And I must say, one of the most beautiful things that we've started to do at Brunsfield. Some of them have happened organically. Some of them have happened just because we've matched people up. Are those intergenerational friendships? Mm. You know that have just that have just happened between people and it and the blessing goes both ways mm-hmm. absolutely it is not a one-way street um we we maybe we used to use the word mentors and then we realized that some people were put off by the the pressure and the expectation that that may be put on them so we've just called them discipleship friendships and just to say to people uh, you know this doesn't need to be uh, earth shattering just meet up for a coffee base it around the bible um read something before you come, read something together and just talk about life. And and the more of that we can kind of foster the better. We've tried to do little things like uh, name badge Sunday, just to 
take that awkwardness out of people don't know everybody's names because I think after kind of week three of being new in a church you kind of stop <laughs> asking mm-hmm. um so we did that that's helped uh we try and do every couple of months we do uh dinner invites that people can just you just match people up to go around to their house for for dinner um but you're absolutely right Andy how can we just more foster I mean it's teachability isn't it it is that's humility and teachability I I need I need you in my life and we're in the same local church not by chance we're here because the Lord's put us here for this season in this city in this place and I need you you know I I need you to help me grow in godliness I can't do this on my own Um, I, I need a local church to be able to do it yeah, so so good to, to, to think that through and that, that dependence on each other I think is something that's so important. You think of each generation, we are so dependent on, on one another. And I'd love to ask you the same question I asked Andy, but in the other direction. You know, so you're working with a lot of young people, students. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways in which you've learned from them and what's some of the things you've seen in them that, that have just mm-hmm. really you've really valued? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think there's a lot actually. Um one of the things is um, vulnerability, being open about their struggles. They're so honest and willing to to share what's going on. And I think um, that is something that us older generations can really learn from because that's part of what it is supposed to be, being in the church together, isn't it? That we carry one another's burdens. And um, so that's definitely something. Um, and they are in many ways less judgmental you know um of of people from with different lifestyle choices and things like that and so you know there's there's that side of things as well so um they're they're able to be like maybe make less assumptions about people um snap judgments they're quite open yeah that's a really that's a really interesting point and you're absolutely right that is so true um, in them. Mm-hmm. Graham, you know, you spoke about different generations helping each other. And I think one of the things that is so important to remember is that that can be done in in just the tiniest of ways that can make the biggest difference. I want to tell you all uh, a wee story um, of something that I, I think I'll never, ever forget. Um, a few months ago, we had um, uh, a visit from the minister who was in our congregation before me. And he's fantastic guy fantastic minister who we all just love so much so he came we had an absolutely brilliant weekend with him he preached and you could see so many friendships being renewed and just um you know everybody was just buzzing it was such a good weekend and the love that is just still there between him and and the people in our congregation was so strong and and he was instrumental in in god's uh working in many people's heart and bringing people to faith and so we had a fantastic weekend on the Monday morning, I was sitting at my desk, just ready to crack on with another week, and the phone rang. And this was a, a lady in our congregation who's in her early 80s, and she's a widow, had uh, just, just recently lost her husband, uh, who they'd been married for, for, for decades. She'd nursed him through a long illness. And she phoned me first thing Monday morning, and she said, Thomas, I just wanted to make sure that you don't feel, feel left out. And I want you to know that we love you and value you as well. And even though we had a wonderful weekend, we just want you to know how much we appreciate. And it was like, that is just such an incredibly thoughtful thing to have done. And it was, it, I'll never forget it. It was so kind. And that was some, that was an older, older generation picking up the old fashioned phone, <laughs> dialing my number and, uh, and just giving me a wonderful uh, encouragement in the Lord. So it's it just shows, Graham, how, how we can be such a blessing to each other across these generations. Graham, can I ask a question, right? Just thinking of the generosity of spirit on both, say, older generation, younger generation, and you're in a multi-generational church. What happens when, like, just say for the older generation who, you know, godly life of faithfulness, but they've been shaped, say, by a culture, even in church, say, worship preferences, they, they like the older hymns. They like the, you know, the sermons in a certain way. And then the younger generation want maybe the the worship band to develop or whatever it is. They, they, they like things that are very different. And so you've got a bit of tension between worldviews. How do you think you can foster unity 
when there's sometimes deep-seated preferences and convictions on things that kind of you know ground for tension. Yeah, no, th- yeah, this is this is always the tension, I think, isn't it? And you're conscious of the spiritual battle. Um, I, I mean, only the Lord can change hearts, uh, and I think just continuing to preach the gospel. Uh, using every opportunity that we have. I think we try and do that. We use opportunities in the service deliberately to honour different different people. So different generations, but also different ministries. So um, the the visiting team that we have, uh, you know, we do a little update in the service and we just take a moment to just get them to stand if they want and, and honour them, trying to create this, this culture. Um. I, and I think a lot of people in our church have been are very good at that. They just they're just delighted to see growth, and and they they wouldn't see. I think always coming back to why we do what we do. I think coming back to the, the gospel vision. So we we just we've just. I mean, it's not ours at all, and it's not anything clever. We just run with the disciple making disciples line. That's what we want to be, and um, growing in our our love for the Lord growing in a love for his words, growing in a love for the church and growing in a love for the lost. And I think most people, if they can see that that's what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it, will be a lot more open to, to a little bit of, of change. And of course, the gospel calls us to die to preferences, doesn't it? For the sake of loving each other. And so just to always make sure that, that um, we always joke about, well, we don't joke, but the the gospel gathering on a Sunday it's just it's a time of celebrating it's a time of just remembering what the gospel has done um and and so to be quite deliberate in in always bringing us back to uh again you can do it in your liturgy can't you so a, a song at the start that declares our unity in what God has done who our God is um so try and start with a song that's about him not about us so again just little ways that you can just foster that idea of is is him that we're here for, not for preferences or whatnot. Uh, always trying to give others the benefit of the doubt. I think I'm a big fan of that. Um, always bearing with, and this is where all these these New Testament com- commands become really real, isn't it? Bearing with one another, um, j- just loving each other well across the differences. It's hard, but I I think just continually preaching the gospel is the thing that's going to win the day at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Amen. This has been super helpful. Thank you so much. Um, I'm sure our listeners, you know, there's there's your synapses are going off and there's lots of thoughts. This is a conversation I'd love to continue. So if you've got if our listeners have got thoughts, please do send them in. Uh, we'd love to pick up on this theme. Well, we're sponsored by Christian Focus, and so we love to do a plug for some Christian Focus books or any other books that would help us as we seek to follow Jesus. So, Graham, can I start with you? Do you have any? books that you'd like to recommend for our listeners sure well the on the generationals generations idea i flagged that um, book by gene twenge at 500 pages so it's not a one to sit by your bed at night <laughs> but really helpful and uh, from a non-christian perspective i must add um in an american context but you'll see the the overlap and she's pretty fair and balanced i think Christian book uh, is a book by an Australian evangelist called Stephen McAlpine. It's called Future Proof um, about how what Jesus has done for the church. And I, and I found it in a, a scary world often to know that uh, we are Christ and the future is secure. I, I found that a really helpful uh, reminder. So that, that would be mine, Future Proof by Stephen McAlpine. And... Mm-hmm. Do you have a Christian focused book you could recommend for our listeners? I do. Um, so the book that I'd like to recommend is called Ready Evangelism for Everyone by Andy Patterson. Um, and it's a really, really helpful book. It's super short. The chapters are really quick to read. Um, but for a small book, it packs a big punch, I think. Um, it's very biblically grounded. So and unlike, um, you know, some books on evangelism, it's it's not saying this is the le- this is the formula, this is how you do it. It's looking at, um, it kind of separates um, those who are given specific gift of evangelism, like Philip, for example, in Acts chapter eight, and then just your regular believer, which really it relieves a lot of 
the burden and it just he just talks about how just like in first peter three fifteen, how you're to live um revere christ as lord and live a life you, you always be prepared to answer the questions about the hope that you have so that idea that as believers we should be living lives that are prompting questions and also that are attractive and and so it's not about forcing the conversation and forcing an agenda but prepare it equips you and prepares you to respond to those questions that should be coming up um naturally so i think it does a really good job of that it's really easy to to read and um yeah it's really i think it's very very practical and helpful and encouraging and equipping that's awesome and i think i love that concept because um you know, I think so often with, when it comes to evangelistic opportunities, I've felt in my life like I wasn't ready, you know, so to, to just even think it through, like, how can I be more ready is a is such a brilliant thing. Graham, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on, a, on our, uh, this episode. Thank you very, very much. Um, so much to think about and so relevant to the challenges that we all face following Jesus. So we wish you just God's huge blessing on you, your family, your congregation. And we thank you so, so much for coming uh, on the Jesus Today podcast. Pleasure, guys. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for listening. A reminder that you can get in touch. We'd love to hear uh, hear from you. Email us, hello at jesustodaypodcast.com and connect with us on social media. Also, please do uh, like and subscribe. And if you are able to, we would love for you to share the podcast with, with friends. Um, uh, we want it to be as, as helpful as possible to as many people as possible. And we're just really grateful to you for the support and for sticking with us. And we look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye.